0: want to make sure that you guys are spectacularly handsome oh
1: thank you thank you thank you thank you so much yeah yeah
0: it's stunning it's stunning (laughs) i'm I'm a little intimidated i'll be honest you
1: say that to every guest or is it just us
0: i've never said those that sentence before in my history
1: i don't believe the first
0: time i've ever uttered
1: it i don't believe (laughs) you guys are
0: easily easily the best looking interviewers i think i've ever had
1: we're really starting (laughs) yeah yes okay great
2: Welcome to another episode of Game of Life with Dan and Harmon. We're joined by a tremendous actor, a titan of the industry, a Dungeons & Dragons nerd.
0: I'm a monster. The
2: the man behind Nerd Circus, the man with amazing pipes. He's got a really awesome name. It's fun to say.
0: It really is. It does. It has a lot of plosives. Thanks for having me, gentlemen.
2: I, I'd like to ask you um, this deeper, more personal question.
0: I'm gonna go right at it, are you?
2: If if your life were a book, what mm-hmm. chapter of your life are you living now?
0: Like in the length of the book? Yeah. yeah. If if my life, if my life, what chapter am I in? First, first of all, by the way, I thought you said wife. (laughs) I'm like, what, what chapter is my wife? Um, uh, So what chapter am I in? Well, hopefully, uh, uh, I'm just at the beginning. Um, Hopefully, uh, you know, we're in the, uh, we're definitely in act two of the book. We're definitely kind of uh in the fun and games portion i would say probably like all the toys are available to me and 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 uh many of the characters are on the field and um and so we, we, you know we are we are mid adventure
1: mid-adventure was it hard mm-hmm. getting was it hard getting here
0: it's not coal mining um that's hard uh it it, it it has taken energy and effort and uh, good old fashioned American gumption. Um, hard. Look, I hard is a relative question, and I have Midwest guilt, so I have a hard time qualifying hard uh, because, like I said, there are there are problems in this world, and they are not mine. Uh, people people struggle. Like there's real struggle out there. I don't want to undermine my own effort and energy and um contribution to my forward momentum but then i have also tons of people to thank for where i'm at in my life um hard no hard is a terrible it's not i don't have a yardstick for hard do you know what i mean like energy and effort, like jumping into a forest fire is hard. Operating on a baby's heart is hard. Like, you know what I mean? Like, again, I I always sound like, uh, I'm, I'm undervaluing my, my efforts. But when I, when I think about like people that cross borders to get across war torn things with their children on their shoulders, that is not my life. And, uh, and I, and I fully acknowledge, the privilege and breaks that I have been given both by circumstances of birth uh, in the world, in the time of history that I was born into. So very windy question to, or answer to your question. Um, It has taken energy and effort and lots of people, but I'm not gonna say it is, my life is a struggle have I struggled from relatively speaking from where I stand? Sure. I've had low times and high times. Uh, yeah. Hmm. I can't say that it's not like telling the soil at dawn, you know what I mean? Like that. When I think about the backbreaking things that have forged human existence, me doing, you know, and I do, I do recognize the value of, of what I do as a, as a, as an entertainer, you know, Sorry, I don't think I gave you a very uh, cogent no, answer.
1: I think it did. He summed it up pretty good. That.
0: How about you? Has has your life been hard?
1: Um. See. Well, since we're on the same topic of hard, and as you said, that jumping on in forest fire is hard, and you know, operating on a baby's heart is hard. Um. I feel like you. <clears throat> Are dealt with the cards life gives you, and yes, yes, yes. The, sort of like the best out of it. I'm 25, so m- me at this stage is my beginning. Sure, sure. 25 is me realizing that okay, um, you know, all that I've collected over the time was, you know, some good habits, some bad habits, and whatever it is and this is my time of realization and self-consciousness and self-awareness like okay this is what i th- these are my skills and this is what i don't have and this is what i need to improve on mm-hmm. let's start walking in the right direction
0: you so, and i are not very different because 30 years later at almost 55 uh, i'd still feel like i'm just getting warmed up um um because because i don't feel the only time i get like where I feel sort of my age and years is when I reflect among the things that I've done and said and in places I've been, and then the, like the collection of memories uh, are many, um, but I'm only here now, now, right? I'm only here right now, now, uh, and my brain doesn't feel old, uh, just sometimes my knees, um, but but I can say, I, I can say with, uh, again, a great deal of privilege, I have not befallen a great deal of tragedy in my life. I have had the the levels of sadness that befall people. I have lost family members, uh, sometimes timely and sometimes untimely. Uh, I have lost friends, sometimes timely and sometimes untimely. I have suffered uh, financial hardships and uh things like that that you know end up teaching me things um hopefully making me stronger and stuff like that but but I, I i'm still in the place where i'm like i need to acquire certain skills i need to uh there's there's miles to go before i sleep right you know? how
2: yeah. do you, how do you deal with failure
0: well define
2: Oh, any sort of failure if it's um enacting
0: the failure I'm sorry I just think I know what you mean failure failure is uh is relative um um expectation is uh can, can be the the tee up for failure right like we 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 want something to go a certain way. So we've predetermined its outcome. And if it doesn't go the way our predetermined outcome is, then it's a failure, right? A friend of mine recently said uh, rejection is protection. Like, uh, I'm only supposed to be doing the things that I'm actually doing, in my opinion. And are there things that I wanted to happen? sure but do i think ultimately uh i wasn't supposed to be doing them i don't believe in predestiny i guess i believe in post destiny uh in that i set out on a path i make a plan but sometimes a tree has fallen in the path and then you gotta go left or go right and you go oh well if i because i went left I met, I met this person, Uh, this thing happened, so it's it's all relative. We set ourselves up for disappointment when we predetermine an outcome. And in many ways, and this sounds super freaking lofty. uh, In many ways, it's the doing and the attempt and the effort, the execution is the reward.
1: Right, it is absolutely. right. I, I agree with that, and I'm I'm also deeply tied in with that idea that you just said, because this doesn't involve sort of like that victim mentality of blaming on external sources than internal sources. I, I I can't see any victim mentality. No, I am
0: I am not a victim. No. Right. No, I am not a victim. I also, like I said, as I said earlier, without being too apologetic for my circumstances of birth, um. I had a lot in the world stacked in my favor. I mean, uh, by 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 circumstances of birth in America in the 20th century, I was born a man in America, and sadly, the t- the scales are tipped in my favor. I was born a white man, and sadly, the scales are tipped in my favor. Uh, I was born in the Midwest to uh, middle-class parents, so financially, the tails were. Sc- tilted in my favor so i am appreciative of all the legs up that i automatically had i was able to be uh, uh sent to college i was able to make have introductions made to me i was able to make uh a living you know in a way that some other people can't because of the hideousness of our society so i am fully cognizant of My privilege, I try not to abuse it. I try to give back and create a more equitable world. I try to I mean, I have I have a daughter, so uh, I am trying to uh, see the world through her eyes. And and I have a, a wife and I'm trying to see the world through her eyes and see she's like, yeah, you know what? You didn't have to walk through a parking garage with your keys clutched in your hands like a weapon because I'm six foot two. And I, you know what I mean. So I'm, I I try to, and I don't dwell on this. I just try to be aware that my piece was moved far down the board. Yeah. Just the moment I was born.
1: Right.
0: I was born healthy with, uh, with I was born healthy in America, at a certain financial level. In a certain uh, in a certain uh, racial uh, distinction and a certain gender distinction, uh, I recognize all of those things. I didn't create, but the world said, "Yeah, these things are already in your favor," and you know. And hopefully, I'm trying to do my best to equalize that for every thing and people and whatnot so again going back to the fact that i'm not a victim uh i'm also very very fortunate in many ways in order in the way that i was allowed to make my way through the world from birth
1: and i also ask since we're deep down the philosophy uh, rabbit hole did you realize this over the course of your time in life till you're you know you're growing up or you realize this by deep personal experiences well
0: i think no of course i didn't when i was you know 14 years old 15 years old i just was you know riding my bike with my friends playing video games and just existing in the world and going i want to be han solo i'm going to be an actor you know what i mean like I also had role models that looked like me in in the world. Uh so I had I can't talk my wife because uh I'm in a podcast right now. Uh, <laughs> hang on, I gotta tell my wife something.
1: That's fine. That's, That's fine.
0: fine. Give me two seconds. Take your
1: time. That's so
0: good. Good. In a podcast. Text her <laughs> <laughs> um so uh so not like i said not i don't want to shortchange any of my own personal efforts uh but i also slowly have my uh the 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 layers of reality get peeled back as you become an adult and and you get more exposure to the world i've also had the good fortune of being able to travel um and see other parts of the country and see other parts of the world that other people may not get that opportunity. So my exposure to uh, differences and differences of opinion and um, other cultures have has been uh, wonderful and eye-opening. Uh, and talking to people <laughs> like I- and hearing other people's experiences that will certainly that will certainly, um, ha- and, and also be having a sympathetic heart, okay. uh, which I was raised with, that that was a gift from my parents, is, is to treat others as yourself and to judge, don't judge people until you understand them, or try not to judge them at all, uh, you know, innocent until proven guilty and whatnot. Uh, yeah, yeah.
2: Are you, are you someone who sits down and thinks about future outcomes?
0: I am not a, a worrier. yeah uh, much to my wife's uh, bemoaning, probably. Uh, when you say thinks about future outcomes, I tend my, my brain immediately goes to worry. And I'm not one. I don't worry. Uh, I I, the joke I make is I I live my life with a flashlight, not a floodlight. Like I I, I see about four feet in front of me at all times, for better or for worse. The the upside is I kind of stay nimble and I can I can roll with change like that. Uh, uh, I'm an improviser, uh, so Expectation is one that's that's that goes to back to your future question, right? Yeah. Uh, I have things that I hope for and things that I work towards uh, and things that I would like to see happen, but I very much live in the um, the present in many many ways to the point where. I have to set myself reminders that there's a thing coming. I literally had a reminder that said podcast three o'clock. Uh, so that 45 minutes or 15 minutes before this, I was like, right, I got that thing because I so don't live in the future. I so,
1: yeah, That's two things I relate to you. I wanted to pick that, pick on that. You said uh, your wife said that you don't have to walk through a parking lot with the key hell like yeah. a, knife in your hand i do that i do that i don't know why i just do that it's always in me it's always been i've always been the parent kid
0: i've also not really I, i've been i've been held at gunpoint once. once oh, wow. and i've and i've been chased by uh, gang members once <sighs> but for the most part i don't see the world as adversarial which goes back to the privilege that i was talking about i'm a six foot two man uh i'm a six foot two white man so so the world interfaces with me differently and i am aware of that Uh, i have not really had to fear for my life or safety much
1: was how was that experience like we can call it a near-death experience how was that did that change your perspective on anything or even life at all
0: sure everything does right so um i i think being held up uh i've told this story before uh on a podcast i i was 24 24 was your age basically and I was coming home, I was performing at Second City, it was like two o'clock in the morning. And I was like, uh, I had been uh, having a bit of a romance with uh, with this lovely gal. And I dropped her off at the train station. I had just finished a show with Second City. I'm like, it's a beautiful winter night. There's big old downy flakes falling. It's like two o'clock in the morning. I'm gonna walk home. And I had my, my suit and, and my stuff with me in my bags. So I was walking home and then around the corner uh when i I could see my apartment so around the corner this one guy comes uh and he turns and starts keeping pace with me and then another guy comes around the corner also turns and now they're like flanking me and then they pull out their guns and show me and i'm like what's going on and so they're like step around the corner i'm like all right so basically I i was just being mugged i mean it was a mugging um my voice felt removed from my body as I babbled at them. I, I mean, uh, I I hope you all have not or have ever been held to gunpoint, but maybe you have. And so maybe you understand what I'm talking about. It is such a rare occurrence in my life that it was um, superlative, right? It was a sacred event in many ways. Uh, sacred in that unlike most (laughs) right it was unlike most events in my life so it was sacred in many ways uh and then they were like they took my stuff and they told me to run and I was like I gotta turn my back on these two guys that have a gun on me that's all I was thinking is like I have to run and not see what they're doing are they gonna shoot me in the back like what's gonna happen and they took off with my bags uh and my wallet and I ran to my apartment um so you know in my brain that spins story it's like sliding doors there is a version of me that panicked went for these guys and then they shot me in the head you know in that in that divergent timeline um where i was killed uh and then there's the version that i got which was i got back to my apartment safely um so in many ways uh i think what how did it change me uh this is all cake now right it's all cake from that point forward like there's a version of me that's dead and bleeding out on the on the streets of chicago uh that didn't live past 24 and then there's this version of me uh so this version of me tends to be pretty optimistic tends to celebrate life and and whimsy and play, Um, nothing mostly is uh, as bad as having a gun in your face. (laughs) So (laughs) everything is relative, I suppose. And again, like my children don't suffer from cancer. Uh, I have not gone through those things in my life. So that might have been one of the scariest things to ever happen to me. There was, you know, and I've had those moments in life where things have been downright scary, but they're few and far between.
1: I feel like I've I've had a similar experience, but I feel like those, I think they're very essential to your existence because they sort of shape. And well, everyone says, I'm a tough guy, I'm a tough guy until you're put in a situation like that. And then you realize that the base of your, body your feet and your legs feel like they don't exist and your voice is taken away it's it's an existential
0: tough tough is figuring out the next step right afterwards how do you how do you how do you react to this what do you do with this information does it make you cynical does it make you does it color your view of humans uh does it uh does it make you live out of fear and again i was it was one night of my life There are people who live with guns in their faces all the time,
1: all the time. yeah. There
0: are people who go into war veterans like that. I have I have led a a relatively violent, violence free existence. I've never been punched in the face. I've also. Not put myself in situations that would have that as an outcome.
1: That's true. And
0: yeah. I may have a very punchable face. I don't know.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, everyone does. So.
0: It's debatable. I mean, <laughs> it's a target, right? How,
2: how, how do you handle conflict with other people?
0: Depends on the person. Conflict with my son is different than conflict with my wife. Is different than conflict with a coworker. Uh, I'm not, I mean, if I'm honest with myself, I'm pretty averse to conflict. I am a diffuser. Uh I I'm I'm mostly driven by logic, which sometimes does not help an argument. Um uh yeah, I, I I am often the voice of reason as far as I think so I am. Uh I'm often the um the uh what's the word uh, The, there's a word that I'm looking for and it's a simple word. Uh, the mediator. I'm often the person there to, to I will often try and defuse a conflict. I don't jump to anger quickly. It takes a lot to get me angry. I don't, I don't sweat small things. That also could be because I had a gun in my face. Like, uh, I don't sweat small things. I mean, I have stress like every human being. And I have my ways of dealing with stress like every human being or some don't, I don't know. Uh, But mostly, yeah, I'm I'm a mostly even handed soul. Happiness is kind of my operating system.
1: No. Yeah. Um, Let me ask you this. And I think Dan loves asking this question as well. What is your earliest memory that you have?
0: my very earliest memory is uh standing at the top of a flight of stairs with my shirt pulled up over the back of my head so that it does like that and your arms are like this and i remember looking down the stairs at my sister thinking uh that person lives with me
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> like like as simple of a thought as that's a person i i live with yeah um and I might have been two or three uh and oddly the memory is in black and white I don't know why Me. it's not a full color memory uh but that's if I if you say hey what's your earliest memory that's one of them that's one of
1: them would this be a, like go ahead uh, would this be your favorite childhood memory
0: Oh, it's not a favorite or anything. It's just a memory. You said, what's yeah. my earliest memory? Yeah. Yeah. Like when I'm like, if I'm like logging through the files, I'm like, what's the first one that if you said, bring it out. It's that I'm like, how could that be a favorite? It's just, it's just information, right? I don't, it's not colored by a holiday or something fun. It was just information like I'm doing this silly thing. And I'm looking at my sister standing at the bottom of stairs. Not even understanding what sister is it? just cohabitation. Uh, that might be the first time that like the hard drive started keeping down information. I don't know why that's an early memory. Nothing bad was happening. It was just a memory of like, oh, maybe it's like the first time I sort of recognize outside of self, you know, and that's an important growth moment
2: what, what, what sort of kid were you, were you a troublemaker? Were you, um,
0: I was a joker. Joker? I was, I wasn't a troublemaker. Like I wasn't, I was unintentionally mischievous. Like I would get into like somebody threw out paints and I would take them and I would look at them in the backyard and then get paint dripping down on my clothes or, uh, try to climb the curtains. Like I was mischievous. I was busy and mischievous. Uh, my mom says there was a a moment where I was drawing on the wall with a ballpoint pen and she sat down with bleach to watch, wash off the wall. And then she turns around and I'm guzzling the bleach. Uh, just like, ah, um, so I was mischievous. Um, and I was chatty. Like as I got into school, if you look at all my report cards, Todd Todd's a delight. He won't stop talking. I just wanted to talk and play with people. I was an imaginative kid, drawing pictures and playing with my Star Trek action figures and Planet of the Apes. And that's when I was a little little. And then, sort of the tween years, it was D and D and Star Wars and all of that. By the late seventies, early eighties, you know.
2: So you were always the entertainer?
0: Very much. Very much. I was the joker. I was the joker kid. Um, Whether it's out of a need to please parents because you got positive feedback. Um, My sister was the more serious kid. And so I was also the second born, which there's probably more breaks cut to you because your parents are a little less uh, on you um yeah so I was the I was the imaginative kid I was the Peter Pan
2: yeah so is that when you start to um discover your creative side with um improv
0: what as a little kid
2: oh you know sort of getting a bit older sort of um high schoolish
0: oh high school I was doing plays yeah so I was I was immediately I was either going to be a cartoonist uh and then around junior year I was like nah I want to be an actor Uh, I was already doing plays it was I was not an athletic kid it was a great way to be social uh stand up in front of people meet girls tell stories do characters I was always doing characters and voices and I was just a huge fan of of television and film and like I said action figures and I was always drawing so I was just, a, I was that, that artist boy.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: Is, is, um, was your creativity or acting, was it ever hard to maintain in those early years? Were there any points where you just wanted to quit or were you just going to do it no matter what?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I was, I mean, I don't, I just assumed that it was going to be a steep hill. Right. I just assumed it was and so i never i'm not gonna say never but for the most part i i've never had that uh things will be good when things are always good because when i was doing muppet shows in my garage that was great and kids would line up and sit in chairs in my garage and watch me do rainbow connection and then uh doing skits at camp and hearing that addictive applause and then doing plays in church and then at at, uh in high school and doing plays and writing sketches and so it was always good even when I was doing it for free it was always good because it's how I wanted to spend my life and so that's how I was spending my life and then Went to college for it and ups and downs in college. It took me three colleges to get out of school finally and get my degree and always doing plays though, whether I was putting them on myself or doing community theater and then second city in Chicago. And then I had my own theater company in Chicago and then moved to New York and had an improv group in New York and, uh, moved to LA and had two improv shows that I was in and running an improv school. So I've, it's always been good. Because I was doing it because I love doing it like putting stuff together with other people and telling stories and playing characters. So there was never a, I mean, do I have the aspirations of boy, I'd love to be Iron Man. Yeah, of course I did. Those were the signposts that, you know, when you're looking through the fog of, of your life going, okay, that's, there's the North star there. That's where I'm headed. That's what I want. I want to be Han Solo. I want to be Peter Venkman. That's what I want to do um so that was always there and that was always the reason to jump into professional acting is I would why not be a movie star why not want to be well paid and tell the stories you love to tell or have a blast doing it who why wouldn't I want that at the same time that is not the measure of success yeah yeah it's um as we've
2: been talking uh, we've done a lot of these zooms, and your background is by far the best background of anyone <laughs> we've had on the show. <laughs> it's just so much of your personality shining shining through.
1: Wow. <laughs> yep.
2: Wow. Right.
0: Oh, I ain't done <laughs> this. Gentlemen, is the nerd lair.
2: When when did you start? uh, This
0: is my sanctum.
2: When did you start building this lair of yours?
0: The nerd lair probably started around twenty eighteen. Twenty yeah, twenty eighteen is when I really started putting energy and effort into turning it into the sanctum sanctorum that you see before you um it really uh yeah because i was i i had wanted i thought originally i was just gonna have this like little corner here where uh, i would have an atari 2600 and an easy chair and just have like a little 80s corner to have like a little nerdy nostalgic nook and then the, the rest was just gonna be a garage yeah. um but then when i started playing dnd with regularity trying to play it in the house with dogs and pizza, not tenable. Like to have six people gathered around a table and everybody eating and snacking and having an English bulldog, like (laughs) just begging and barking. And it's just, it's like, ah, we need a separate place to play D and D. And then I'm like, well, why don't I just convert the garage into that seventies, eighties basement of my dreams? like. I wanted it to feel like what it felt like for me as a kid, when we would rush down into the basement of John Martin's house, and he had his orange shag carpet and his his wood paneling, and we would we would play D&D so so with the Nerd Circus, I just have to share, uh, I created uh, with this artist uh, Charles Thurston, we created a dice box that is wood paneling with orange shag carpet in it and so uh i wanted to make a little a little basement that you played that you can roll your dice in and play d and d but have it reflect the vibe of that late 70s basement that we all played d and d um so yeah it just it, it all keeps pointing to the same place sort of the place that i was inspired to i mean i can i can say that all the stuff that I do now is because I did all this stuff then.
1: yeah yeah you know. let me ask you this how would you for people out there how would you explain what D is why and what-
0: improvised storytelling uh improvised fantasy storytelling that is led by a dungeon master where the dice determine the outcomes of your choices right so the dungeon master leads you on an adventure throws obstacles monsters people circumstances traps in your way you tell the dungeon master how you want to solve that problem given to you then you roll the dice and the dice let you know if it worked or not and then if it worked the story goes this way if it didn't work the story goes this way and You collectively tell a story together.
1: Is that the unpredictability of the game that you like?
0: I I can't say that there's one thing about the game that I like. I like the social aspect.
1: Right. I like, uh,
0: because I was an improviser, so I liked gathering with people on stage and not knowing where it's going and telling a story, playing characters. Um, So it scratches that itch of improv that I had for so many years. I love, I love fantasy. I'm a huge Tolkien nerd, huge. Uh, Those were my gateway drugs, like the Bakshi Lord of the Rings and the, the, uh, the Rankin and Bass Hobbit 77 and 78. That's when those came out and I played, started playing D and D in 79. So those things set the template what i see in my head and when someone says fantasy that's where my heart goes immediately uh listening to sticks playing dnd watching back lord of the rings like that that sums up 1979 for me um so so it, it is also a nostalgic itch it's like Just like in the present day, so tonight I'm going to see Jason Bonham perform Led Zeppelin songs. It'll be an immediate fun event that I'm sharing with my friends. It's also scratching something from my childhood because it's Zeppelin, right? So these, these things, these totems of power, these moments that we revisit and cling to, and why we like to listen to the songs from our youth, why we like to watch the commercials from our childhood or wear the t-shirts from our childhood. It, it connects us, I think, ultimately to a place of innocence and play and escape that I believe are not diversions. I believe they're necessary. You know, Many people have heard me talk about this philosopher, Alan Watts who talks about the essential, like the, the meaning of life is to play. That's why we are here. We do everything else, feed ourselves, medicine, work, make money, have a roof over our heads so that we can play play is the reason celebrating consciousness is the reason. So whatever that means to you and whatever time and place you were born into play means something different to you. It could mean football, it could mean cornhole, it could mean uh, climbing rocks, fishing, cooking, all of the things. For me, it's 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 d and live music and surfing. And
2: it's just keeping that part of you alive.
0: Well, that is living.
2: Yeah, exactly, yeah.
0: That is living, yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. It, um, you'll be in Australia um, next month.
0: For the first time.
2: 14th and 15th, for the first time.
0: Yeah. Wow. I've never gone to that side of the world.
2: So you'll be here in Melbourne on the 15th of October, which also happens to be my birthday. So I'm pretty excited for that.
0: Dude, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you something else. So in the States, my birthday is October 16th.
2: Yeah, I know.
0: So, So that means in Australia, my birthday is October 17th. Yeah. Yeah. In that the day I was born on the planet would have been the seventeenth uh, on your watch, mm. uh, so I will I will literally be in Middle Earth on my birthday because <laughs> then I go from Melbourne to New Zealand, and you've been yeah. on this
2: big convention tour over the last year. How much has that meant to you?
0: Well, it's it's fun to celebrate a thing it's fun to celebrate a thing and conventions are a celebration of of my personal work my connection to my space family Uh, and that space family extends not only from my own personal family who introduced me to to uh, to star trek to extends to the family that I made while working on the show and have all the other actors that I've met through uh, working on the show and then the fan family. So it's a big celebration and it's a chance for me to, you know, you do something in a little box that somebody watches and you never have that connection. Like when you do a play, they clap and you do it for them in the moment immediately. And then you meet them at the stage door and you, you know, you sign programs or whatever conventions are the stage door. Yeah. That was uh that was put to me by um by Zach uh Levi. He he sort of put it in perspective in a great way. He's like, This is the stage four. This is where they get to come and share in the joy of the thing that you did that moved them. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's cool.
2: Well um you'll be down here with um Robert Vicardo as well. Yeah. That's who we had on the show. Um Love him. weeks back. And what was his question to you? I think he asked you, when are you going to buy him a drink in Sydney?
0: Well, what, what, I will buy him a drink in Sydney when I see him in Sydney.
2: <laughs> Done.
0: After the show.
2: What, what, what is um, tour life like with fellow actors like that? Because you're all traveling together, presumably.
0: Well, when we land and we show up together. We're not always on the same plane together because yeah, right, right. some of us are coming from different parts of the country and world. Um, it's great. It's great. Cause sometimes it's like the really fun part is I am now getting to see people who I worked with a decade ago that I have not seen in a decade. Vincent D'Onofrio, uh, I worked with him uh, and, and I've only seen him again because of conventions and so that's just such a treat like it's it's a double treat it's a treat meeting the fans and then it's a treat uh hanging out with actors and some actors i get to meet that i i've never met like andy circus like meeting actors whose work i love uh john reese davies i just got to meet him uh Gimli, i mean he's he's sala and Gimli and Treebeard. like what uh getting to meet uh these actors that I've admired growing up, uh Leah Thompson. Like, it's been just such a wonderful thing. Uh, it's been a wonderful thing.
2: Are there any points in time where you felt like an imposter?
0: Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh Often, yeah, you do feel like, They're going to see how you're faking it. They're going to see how you're taking shortcuts. They're going to, they're going to, you're going to get caught with your pants down and exposed Of course of course where you like, don't feel up to the challenge. Other people are doing more work than you are. Other people are more studied, more learned, more skilled. They know how to ride horses and tap dance. And, uh, and, and you're just a joker, man. Like there's of course, of course, human insecurity. I would be lying if I didn't say it wasn't there.
2: Do do you think about your own mortality um, much? No. Yeah. (laughs) No,
0: I don't. I don't. Um, I think about, I mean, because look, the, the reality of my career is often there is a, timetable on it and i go wow in five years i'm gonna be 60. i'm only 15 years away from 70 and well i get to do the things that i want to do between then and now like what what are the things that i want to do uh as far as mortality goes i don't necessarily believe in an afterlife i don't i don't care because nothing i can do now other than looking both ways Across the street, are going to, uh, I'll do my best to stay healthy and alive, but I'll also do my best to dance in the sunbeam while I am alive. Like, it's more about being alive than worry about being dead. Mm-hmm.
2: Is that um, your meaning of life? Is my what? Is that your meaning of life?
0: Meaning of life is to play. Yeah. That's the meaning of life, is to play. And and look and play is also like what i'm doing next weekend with this charity event it's also play is that which brings you joy and pleasure and lifting up other people and helping out people who are less fortunate also is a form of play right mm. like helping a child who's suffering from cancer like helping them. That makes me feel good. I mean, there's a selfish act there because I'm getting endorphins based on wanting to better somebody else or lift somebody else up. Uh, I chose a profession that is about entertaining, laughing, and clapping and crying and field testing all those emotions in the dark, right? Um, that's, that's the meaning of life is to play. Hmm. Yeah, and, that, and, and by that means being kind like after I have don't hurt anybody like do what you love don't hurt other people while you're doing it there meaning love
2: those are words to live by
0: right yeah don't be an asshole yeah be kind at <laughs> the end Let me ask and you that know. is a form of play being kind is a form of play
1: if you if you were to go back in time and and if you were if you got the chance kill Hitler, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I wouldn't I would do that, but I would write a transcript and give it to people to do that. And I, I won't do one thing, I would do multiple of those <laughs> by writing shit down. But I don't know if, if that'll be believable. If somebody wrote me a note from the future to kill this person I'm like eh.
0: no i'm <laughs> no, not doing it exactly <laughs> yeah
1: you'd have to yeah. do anyway your
0: question i derailed your question your question was
1: um that if you were to go back in time and you know talk yeah. to your former self which sure was, which was at the lowest um that you've ever felt what advice or what would you say to that former self
0: I had a tattooed on my arm, and it's the simplest of phrases, and it is "this too shall pass." <laughs> this too shall pass. And what's great about that phrase, and I've I've explained it before, "this too shall pass." Uh, it's sort of smoke them if you got them, because at some point you're going to be out of them. So uh, this this good moment's going to pass. So savor it, enjoy it, live it up. Also, when the storm clouds are there strap yourself to the mast because this is going to pass the storm's going to pass i don't want to tell my kid self uh any specifics but to just hang in cuz what's the worst thing that'll happen you'll die and that's going to happen anyway
1: <laughs>
0: you're going to die anyway so it's like what do they say like live your best life and die anyway like you're not going to achieve mortality or immortality
1: I think for all the guests we've had for some reason I've related to you the most things if something said. so um nice. I just want to thank you for doing this man. you've been awesome Thank you.
0: Thank what you. a treat. Well, what a treat to me and I'm honored to be asked.
2: One last question. Are you hopeful, Are you hopeful that you'll um get to act in film and television again anytime soon?
0: That is uh of course that's my chosen profession so i am hopeful that we settle the strike and that we can all uh get back to work because that's uh my my battery is super low on my computer so if it just if it just goes black know that my answer was yes yes Yes. (laughs) but you could ask that about any question are you hopeful yeah uh that'll be the answer to most of questions you're going to ask me and the answer is yes
2: well hopefully with the um wga um Back, in back at the
0: table, yeah, yeah,
2: provoke some sort of um, talks again with
0: um SAG. Agreed, wouldn't that be nice? Well, yeah, and- there's so much I want to do and say. So, like, let's 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 give us an equitable contract so that we can all get back to telling good stories.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, there's a certain captain I'd love to see again, but you know, we won't mention any. You and me both. Yeah.
0: So you and me both
2: um please tell us anything that you'd like to pro- pro- promote other than um you know any film and television work. yeah yeah yeah
0: uh so uh, when is this gonna air
2: uh next we'll release it next Wednesday
0: oh great so uh on sun uh Saturday the 30th 5 p.m pacific time PDT I will be doing a live streamed game on Twitch to raise money to fight childhood cancer through the Pavlov uh, foundation it will be with matthew lillard mika burton tawny newsome jack quaid myself uh you can donate during the game to affect the game so i'm going to play some D&D. go to the nerd circus uh which is my company i sell books and glasses and t-shirts and fun nerdy things uh from my heart to y'all um and uh just be nice to each other because that's because you can this has been I got.
2: Incredible. This has been incredible. Hopefully, we've given you something you don't ordinarily get. On our- that was lovely,
0: absolutely lovely podcast. love chatting with you guys, and I look forward to meeting. You.